Something is bubbling among women today. Women crave honest stories that entertain, motivate, and move them. Women want reinforcement that they are not alone in feeling the way that they do and that they can feel good about their prospects. Stories and Strategies for Women podcast will share riveting stories about amazing women. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. A good story well told is powerful. A good story can motivate. A good story can inspire action. Welcome to Stories and Strategies for Women. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. With us today is Cheryl Bass. She is the author of a new children's book called Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze. I had her on the show today because there are so many women out there who are trying to figure out what they want to do as their pivot career, or maybe they've always had a children's book in the back of their mind. They have an idea for a children's book, and they don't know how to make publishing that book a reality. And Cheryl's just such a great example of how you can do it and how she did it. And maybe it would motivate you to go ahead and get your idea into action. Interviewing authors is something that I also do on my other podcast called Get Your Book Seen and Sold, which you can find at my Substack account, claudinewalk.substack.com if you want to check it out. The interview that I'm including here is about 15 minutes long, where Cheryl talks all about her book and how she got it published. It is a longer interview, however, so if you're interested in the topic and you want to hear the rest of the interview with Cheryl, go ahead and check it out at Get Your Book Seen and Sold, wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can just check it out at the Substack, claudinewalk.substack.com. Thanks for listening. With us today is Cheryl Bass. She holds a master's degree in social work and journalism and has studied child development. She's an author of a brand new book called Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze, and it's for children. She's going to talk to us about that today and also her publishing journey. She resides outside, just outside Chicago with her husband and two terriers. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. So the book is called Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze. It was published in October of 2022. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So tell us about the book itself. Okay. Well, um, the idea came to me about 13 years ago. I was walking along and I sneezed. It was a really big sneeze. And I had the absurd thought, you know, it's a good thing I'm not a dragon because this would have done a lot of damage. And I thought, <laughs> oh, well, that's a great idea for a children's story. So I sat down and wrote it and um, didn't do anything with it, kind of sat on it. And then a couple of years ago, started trying to get it traditionally published, uh, you know, with by, sent it to publishing houses and to literary agents. Nothing really happened. Nothing came of it. And um, so then I decided to self-publish it. And um, that's that's what happened. And the, the story is about a baby dragon who's flying around, having a great time, gets a cold somehow, sneezes, and accidentally burns down a village. <laughs> and all of the villagers are very angry with him, and they're ready to attack him. But a little girl, it doesn't seem, uh, it doesn't make sense to her. Why would he suddenly do this? If he's been getting along with everybody just fine, why would he suddenly plan an attack? So even though she's mad, she still goes to his cave and tries to confront him and ask him why he did this. So I don't want to give too much away, but she ends up becoming sort of the heroine of the story. She saves the dragon, saves the town. 
um, all because she doesn't make assumptions. She wants to find out what's going on before she um, assumes something about someone else. So that's one of the messages in my story. It seems that so many people have the dream to write a children's book. And I love how you got your idea. And it's just as simple as that, right? You, you, mm-hmm. you sneeze and, and, and the idea came to you. The book mm-hmm. is beautifully illustrated. Tell us about your illustrator. And by the way, audience, you can get the book wherever you buy books. Right. So, um, so Amazon.com, uh, Walmart.com, Target.com, and BarnesandNoble.com. And um, so, and on my website, through my website, www.be-kindpublishing.com. So be kind publishing with a hyphen between the B and the kind. Um, Could you ask me your question again? I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I'm glad you mentioned all that. So, excuse me, be-kindpublishing.com. They can buy the book there directly or they can find out more about you. So that's terrific. What was my question? Let's see. I'm losing my mind too. Um, Oh, the illustrator. It's beautifully illustrated. Okay. So as I said, I I self-published it. But self-publishing nowadays is a little bit of a misnomer. Um, I thought when I was going to self-publish this book that I'd be completely on my own. I'd have to buy some big book called Self-Publishing for Idiots or similar. And I'd be, you know, having to do that. However, I'm a member of the Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, SCBWI, and Children's Book Insider, CBI. And both of them have videos that members can watch for free. So I watched this video, um, and April Cox, a woman who has a company called Self-Publishing Made Simple, she offers, she walks people through the whole process of self-publishing their first book. So she helps you... um, you know, gets on a Zoom call with you and helps you uh, put your uh, your work through the Library of Congress to get it copyrighted. She has vendors that she works with, like illustrators, that are responsive and good at what they do and that give you the rights to the illustrations after the, wor- the, the book is finished. So with the illustrator, she had 12 vendors that she worked with. She gave me the websites of all of them. I looked through all of their work. I found my four top that I liked the best. And then she said, okay, pay. let's pay each of them $50 and have them each sketch the same image, the same um, scene from your book. And then just decide which one you like the best that did the same from the same scene. So you're comparing apples to apples. They're all doing the same scene. So that's what I did. And then I was able to limit it down to two, to hone it down to, to my top two from there. And then I used my friends and family as a focus group. And I, especially those that had kids and grandkids. And I said, who, which dragon do you think is better and why? You know, and then the dragon that won was uh, Remesh Ram's dragon. And Remesh Ram is with a company called Pryan Animation and they're excellent. So I'm going to use him again. I have other books, some in my head um, and some are in rough draft stages. And he's going to be my illustrator from now on. Fantastic. What a great process. You're going to be helping a lot of people. And I'll bug you for those resources later so that I can put them in the show notes. Great. So going back to the the book and the messages of the book, I've read that because I've never written a children's book that it's important when you're sharing lessons through a children's book to children that it has to be subtle. Yeah. So I'm curious as an author, how do you thread that needle to get your mm-hmm. your lessons through but have it not be over the head and then still entertaining? Mm. Um that that is difficult. Um 
But I think if you have characters that are non-threatening and cute and and you add humor, um, that can be done in a way that it's not, um, you know, hitting them over the head um, with the messages. So they are subtle, um, but it's subtle enough that I really encourage parents after they read this to their children to have a discussion afterwards. So, for example, in one scene, um, the dragon realizes that he burned down this village with his sneeze and he's horrified that he did this. And so he sits down and writes an apology note. So the parent can discuss with the child afterwards, what did the dragon do after he realized he made this mistake? Well, he wrote an apology note. Okay, why is it important to apologize after you've done something wrong? You know, so accountability, you know, teaching kids those those types of things, uh, having that discussion afterwards is very important. Neat. I love that. So, and, and from reading the book myself, there are several themes mm-hmm. that, that come through there. Mm-hmm. But it was also enjoyable for me to read, which I love as a parent, you know, a Thank little bit you. of and yeah. now a grandparent, a little bit of both is fantastic. Right. I wanted it to be, you know, I grew up on Sesame Street and I've watched it in later years. And there's some of the humor and things like Shrek do, do the same thing. The, the movie Shrek and all of the sequels, they have humor in there for adults that kind of flies over the head of the children. But uh, because the parents are having to sit and watch it with their children and then the children are also entertained. So it's it, it's entertaining on a couple of different levels. And I, I really wanted to do that with with my story as well. That's awesome. So this you mentioned this is your first book. I'm wondering yes. um, you have a, you said you have a few um, other books in you, but when you first decided to write a children's book, did you know about all the and I, I don't want to use the word rules, but there are certain kind of guidelines when writing a book uh, in terms of um, the for a certain age group, the book should be a certain number of pages or it should be a certain number of words or this amount of illustration or not an amount of illustration, depending on the age of the child that the book is directed to. So did you have all those things in mind or did you just write? I just wrote and it was about 400 something words. And um, and then I got editors and the editors helped me with the pagination, you know, and some of the parts of my story are two pages, like, like a two page spread of an illustration with just the words on one side, you know, and um, I didn't follow all the rules. And that's one of the beautiful things about self-publishing, for example. And part of the reason I wanted, frankly, that I wanted this done last year was I turned 50 so that I wanted that milestone. (laughs) I wanted to have a book published by the time I turned 50. But also my father was very ill last year and I really wanted him to be able to hold the book in his hands before he passed away. Um, unfortunately, he didn't make it to the day of publication. He passed away on September 4th and it published on October 19th. He got to see the illustrations in black and white. He didn't get to get to see them in color, but I was able to dedicate the book to him. Now, in a traditional children's picture book, they don't allow a dedication. You don't have a dedication or acknowledgments in a picture book, but I did that. I had both and I was able to do that to honor him. Um, and that was another one of the, the reasons that I really, um, I'm a proponent of self-publishing. Oh, let's go down that road because we have a huge interest in self-publishing. So tell us how you made the decision. Did you try to send the book to agents and publishers first? 
Yes, I sent to a lot. I sent to probably about 50 um, literary agents and publishing houses. And I came to learn through a lot of my research that a lot of publishing companies have very small imprints and very small, you know, numbers or they have like a quota of how many um, picture books they can take in a year. So say a publishing house has maybe 10 um, picture books that they can take in a year. Well, Jimmy Fallon, uh, um, you know, uh, what's her name who did uh, All I Want for Christmas is You um, and um, Seth Meyers and Reese Witherspoon. Um, all of them have written children's picture books within the last year or year and a half. Now, if those publishing houses are approached by them, of course they're gonna they're gonna publish a book by somebody who already already has name recognition and their own fan base, and they can go on nighttime television um, and promote their book. So someone like me, um, you know, doesn't really have as much of a chance to get in there. Um, so. The wonderful thing about self-publishing is it levels the playing field for regular folks who who have a story inside them and they just want to get it out to the world. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you um, found an editor. Yes. And that was somebody that you, maybe a resource that you hired? Yes. And I found actually, I used two different editors. Um, the first editor I used mainly for my developmental edit, and her name was Laura Bonchi, B-O-N-T-J-E. I found her actually through a Facebook group. And there are Facebook groups for everything. Um, you think you have a rare disease, type in the name of the disease in Facebook, and there's a group for it, you know, like almost a digital support group where other people can give you the names of good doctors and resources and things like that. Well, it's the same way with self-publishing. So you can type in self-publishing or um, children's picture books or whatever. And there are groups of people all over the world. And you can type in. And so I typed in, you know, I had a question that I typed into one of these Facebook self-publishing groups. And I said, well, how do you find an editor that is not going to steal your idea? And then Laura Bonchi responded. And, and I said, do I have to do a non non-disclosure agreement? And she said, well, that's more in the business world. Um, that that actually um, alerts people that you're a greenhorn if you try to make them sign a non-disclosure agreement in this in this realm. Um, if your editor is a part of these groups like um, SCBWI uh, and or Children's Book Insider, things like that, if they ha are parts of those groups, if they were to steal your idea, they would be, um, their reputation would be mud, you know, because everybody talks, everybody knows everybody um, and so on. So. So that was enough for me. Her her response and was was well thought out. And I went to her website and and she had really good testimonials and things like that. And so I gave her a chance. And she offered me like a three thirty minute um, discussion with her or or free first run of edits. And I was so impressed with her edits. Um, and the developmental edit is mainly to find holes in your story. So for example, she looked at my book and she said. Well, why is, isn't the dragon's parents helping him? If he's got a cold, why is he trying to talk to the villagers about helping him? And so then I realized that was a big hole in my story that I didn't even realize I was too close to it. So then I had to add a few lines saying that he hatched all alone in this den um, and sneezed, but he tried not to do it again because um, it rhymes. Um, and so... Uh, so so that was the main work of Laura Bonchi. And then as I got down further um, into the nitty gritty of it, um, another editor that was that is one of April Cox's um, vendors named um, Bobby Hinman. She is an award winning children's book writer 
And she also is an editor and she's very good with rhyme and meter. And she really helped me make sure that everything, when it's read out loud, that no matter what kind of accent somebody has or whatever, that it's going to still, the meter is still going to be consistent throughout. So um, definitely, even if you only have a 400 word children's picture book, it's worth the investment of having hiring an editor. Yeah, that was my next question, uh, reasonably priced, and you don't have to get specific. Um, I believe it was something like two hundred dollars for um for for laura and i had her do three different edits so it's it's different prices for however many edits you have and how many edits they think it needs Mm -hmm. what level of editing there's different levels of editing so there's like the developmental editing which i told you about and then there's the meter kind of editing which is for rhyming stories if you're of course you don't need that if it's not a rhyming story so you can discuss that with the editor but both of them are were fantastic That's great. To listen to the remainder of this interview with Cheryl Bass, head over to my Substack account, claudinewalk.substack.com, and you'll see the full interview there, or you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. The podcast's name is Get Your Book Seen and Sold. Thanks so much for listening to Stories and Strategies for Women, and we'll be back next week with another possible career pivot. We talk about voice acting and uh, my experience with it and whether it might be a career that you might be interested in. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. You're listening to Stories and Strategies for Women podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. Visit me at my website, ClaudineWalk.com. Drop me a note on Instagram at ClaudineWalk. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time.